High FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. And as usual, this, I know it's the holiday season, everyone's taking it easy, not much happening, but technology never ever, ever stand still. And today I've got a great interview with um, Doug Woolley, who's the general manager of Dell EMC South Africa. Now, most people have heard of Dell. They make computers. But EMC, very much an enterprise company, do all sorts of stuff for big data centers and big companies around the world. But they, Dell bought EMC a while back, merged into Dell EMC, and they had a, a really interesting, I mentioned it last week, they had a really interesting uh, conference yeah, 10 days ago in Johannesburg, Dell World. And um, it was fascinating to just get an insight into the big data, the stuff that's coming, the things that are going to change our lives in the future. So stay tuned. Listen in at 1120. Um, we got a, a really interesting interview. It was done sort of live at the Santon Convention Center. You could hear people coming and going and add to the atmosphere. So it's not my usual quiet interview, but still very, very interesting stuff. Finding out a little bit more about what it means, where we're going, how the technology is going to affect you and I, and um, just some insight into what Dell and Dell EMC are doing in South Africa and certainly in Africa. And um, so stay tuned for that. And just something that came across my desk this week, which is really, really interesting. It's something that most of us don't even think about. I mean, over the years, how many of us have collected a ton of these adapters, electricity adapters, that you all have these things in your wall with plugs and you name it, all sorts of extenders and adapters and bits and pieces, because the plug that we've used in South Africa since day dot, that big sort of round thing, has actually become obsolete. And very interesting, the... Um, the there is a new standard in South Africa, which a lot of people don't even know about. But there's a brand new plug coming to South Africa. And from now, as of March 2018, every new installation of plugs has to be with this new adapter. Now, the good news is the new adapter basically looks identical to the European Tupin that comes on every lamp, on every piece of tech that you get these days. It looks identical to that with the addition of a third earth pin in the middle. So if you start seeing these funny little plugs popping up all over the show, know that that is the new South African plug. And it makes a lot of sense because the good old days when you had all these hectic appliances using 100-watt globes, drawing tons of current, you needed a big solid plug that could do 15 amps, um, and plug it into the wall. Well, these, those days are pretty much gone. Using LEDs, they draw a couple of milliamps. They really don't use a lot of power. And it's just so convenient. Instead of having all these adapters and whatnot, you just simply plug your European cable, your standard adapter in, and off you go. So if you're looking to buy new plugs or if you're looking to get new plugs, you are going to get the new European-style hexagonal profile plug that is pretty much the standard all over Europe and certainly uh, will work really well, you know, for all of us. So get rid of a whole lot of those plastic adapters that we have. And uh, it has been a while, but uh, it's still legal to use the old one. But the real truth is that as quickly as you can, you need to switch across to the new two-pin plug. And what's so funny, we'll probably land up with a whole host of adapters that go from the old 
three-pin South African plug to the new two- or three-pin uh, you know, South African or European plug. But anyway, just keep your eye open. You'll start seeing them pop up in supermarkets everywhere. In fact, you can buy them at Builders Warehouse already. I've been switching them out in my house because it certainly saves tons of effort when you plug in your cell phone adapter or your cell phone charger. It just plugs straight into the wall. You don't have to worry about all these fan- funny little plastic things that convert from one to the other. Now, I know that's not like the most earth-shattering news in tech, but it's certainly going to change lots and lots of things. And another thing that really is starting to hit in South Africa, you're going to hear more and more about something called fintech or financial technology. And financial technology is simply how the internet, big data, um, all the stuff that we've been talking about over the years is actually really revolutionizing the way that we do banking. We spoke about what SASFIN are up to. We've, I've spoken a lot about all the changes that are coming. Most of us do banking on our cell phones today. In fact, it's often conv- more convenient and faster to use the app on your cell phone than to actually go into internet banking on a laptop or a computer. So fintech or, or, or the whole change in technology around financial services is really starting to happen in South Africa. And I must tell you, I think this year is going to be the fintech year for um, South Africa. There are a lot of new pure technology play banking uh, systems, banking accounts, banking platforms coming to the country over the next six months. Um, the Sasfin one, which we spoke about, the Beyond platform, which is launched already, is probably the first foray into this whole new world of fully connected online um, banking. But there's going to be a lot more. And a new co- and well, not such a new company, they've been around a while, but a new company called Root Insurance um, have launched a brand new product, which is actually uh, not something that you and I will use directly. But what they've done is they've built a platform for developers, guys who supply, um, you know, people with financial platforms or financial services. Um, And this platform allows developers to build insurance products simply using its API. So they've taken care of all the heavy stuff, all the back-end stuff. So you don't have to spend a lot of money, financial investments, upfront costs, and deal with compliance problems and do all sorts of things that you need to do. Let's say you want to create a new insurance product for, I don't know, let's uh, come up with an example. Like you've got a captive audience in education. Either students, parents, universities, whoever, the university itself. What happens if you want to offer some form of either life insurance or other insurance or insurance for your education, future higher education type of investment product? But how do you do that? You, you you can either go to an established insurance company, spend a ton of you know money with them, or now you can use the root platform to simply they've taken care of all the heavy lifting, they've taken care of all the back end, um, they've taken care of all the compliance issues with uh, the various regulatory authorities in South Africa, and allow you simply by setting up a front end with all the retail stuff to comply completely and get going with an insurance platform really, really quickly. And that is where the whole new um, thing is going. So it is the first platform that's come in South Africa, and they've partnered with a financial listed services group, MMI Holdings, for all the insurance license and guidance and everything. So it's fully operational. All you have to do is come up with the the product, and um, they will facilitate and allow you to 
basically go direct to market in as low cost and as quick uh, possible way as you can. And I mean, that's exactly what fintech's all about. Why should you have to worry about putting in hectic investment in platforms, co- you know, compliance offices, the whole infrastructure around any financial service is extremely expensive. Up to now, only really big, well-established financial services companies, insurance companies, banks had the wherewithal to do that. And along comes a small player, well, it's not that small, but a smallish player called Root. And you can have a look at them. Um, It's root.co.za. You can have a look at their platform. You can find out everything that you need to know. And um, just Google Root Insurance, and you will be quite amazed at what um, they are it's root.co.za insurance, and you'll see exactly what it is they do for you. And if you're thinking or you belong to an organization that may well want to do something in the insurance space, this is just a great opportunity to get going at incredibly low cost and uh, high speed. It doesn't take you years to get on the market. It'll probably take you a couple of weeks or a month or two. So well done. And as I say, we're going to see a lot more of this going forward. Well, we'll be back with some more news, some more interesting stuff straight after this. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Now, as I was saying, you know, um, all these products, all these mobile phones launch. And once they're out there, the rumors begin for the next um the next generation. Well, the big rumor that hit the, the 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 web this week is Apple is exploring touchless desk gestures. Now, this is quite an interesting thing. There have been a couple of phones over over the last little while where, if you use the stylus, um, it would respond without even touching the screen. But I haven't seen any that respond without your finger touching the screen. So, can you imagine a phone that? has you know curved edges all this latest sort of look and feel of 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 the flexible screens that are curved and you don't even have to touch it you simply wave your hand up and down across the screen and it responds to you so let's see if that actually will come what we are going to see and what is definitely coming in the next generation of phones starting from now is that you're going to have a fingerprint reader in the screen. You're no longer going to have a button. You're not going to have to push anything. You'll simply put your finger on the screen and it'll read your fingerprint. So that's already, I've, I've played with a couple of those. It wasn't as slick as the, the experience I've had with a real sort of physical fingerprint reader, but I'm sure they'll fix those little you know, software gremlins and bugs. But there's no question that we're going to see different form factors different shapes, and different ways of navigating with your phone in the little while. Samsung already has done the whole curved screen thing, and it looks gorgeous. Apple have got rid- completely rid of the button and the bezels on the new iPhone X, and now it looks like you won't even have to touch your screen <laughs> to control uh, your phone. So really, a lot of interesting changes and interesting uh, developments in that space. Um, and I think we are going to see more and more of those sort of innovations. I mean, there's no question. Today is the South African launch of the Huawei P20 series, and the P20 and the P20 Plus are being launched this evening uh, in Santon in Johannesburg, and I'll be there just to find out all, all the details. Not that they're hidden. Most of the details are out. The phones are going to be on sale, but this is what people don't know. The phones will be on sale tomorrow. In South Africa, you'll be able to go out and buy yourself a Huawei P20 series phone, 
Um, and the pricing is pretty attractive. It's around about 15999 for the P20 Plus, which is a 6.3-inch OLED-screened, all the latest tech. The one thing from all the images that I've seen, I've not seen it physically yet, it looks identical in some respects to the iPhone X. It's got a notch at the top. It's got a vertical camera on the back. But the P20 Plus adds a little um, extra to all that. It's added a third lens, which is really quite interesting. So not only has it got uh, two like everyone else, it has three lenses on the back. But more detail about that later. And then the P20, which is the replacement of the P10 from last year, um, is going to be about 11999, which is very reasonable for the sorts of tech that are, are thrown in there, the new Kirin 970 chip. And that's going to go on sale, as I say, tomorrow. So keep your eyes open if you're looking for a brand new Huawei phone, running the latest version of Android as usual. And um, we're going to see a lot more devices coming over the next little while. But I think in many respects, Huawei have gone from nowhere to hero very, very, very quickly. In the last three years, we've seen a massive growth in not only the range that they offer in South Africa, they offer their their sub-brand called Honor Now, which is available at very good prices, anywhere from two to 5,000 Rand, and their P-series and their Mate series, which have certainly pushed the envelope with regard to technology. They're right up there. The new piece, the P20 series, has got the, you know, the latest technology. It's totally competitive with the Samsung uh, S9. It is competitive in many respects with some of the technology that's built into the the latest and uh, you know the latest Apple series, the Apple 8, the iPhone 8, and the iPhone 10, and um, all at pricing that's always been a little bit more reasonable than uh, other mobile devices out there. So keep your eyes peeled. I think you're going to see some really interesting stuff coming up. But generally, you can't just wait and wait and wait. To upgrade from a P10 to a P20 may not be worth it, but to go from any of the older series or other Android phones to the new P20, because all the reports are the camera is, uh, you know, in conjunction with Leica, the camera is amazing. And, um, you know, the build quality is certainly up there with the rest of the guys. And service and support of Huawei has certainly come a long way and is certainly at least as as good um, as everything else. So we are seeing... Quite a shift. More and more do I see these Huawei phones out on the, on the, um, you know, in everyone's hand across the world, and uh, they certainly seem to be growing extremely quickly. And they definitely are now number three with regard to, you know, um, the the number of phones are out there. Number three manufacturer, pretty much everywhere. And moving on to a little bit more interesting stuff regarding all this madness that's surrounding Facebook. What I'm going to be doing straight after the uh, Tech Talk Cafe segment is I'm going to be going through some of the privacy concerns. The whole Facebook saga has grown. They were talking about 50 million people being compromised. It's now up to about 85 million people whose data has been used inappropriately by various people. And it's it's a big challenge. Uh, a lot of a lot of people have asked me. A lot of people are talking about what they should do. There's a whole movement about getting off Facebook over the next little while. But I don't believe any of that is particularly necessary. There's ways you can protect yourself enormously. Um, 
and there's ways that you can limit what people see. And then you can still use Facebook to stalk your children around the world or your friends or your family around the world or people you haven't seen for years. Message them, contact them. It's just a great resource from that point of view. But other people using it, there are a lot of changes coming. There are a lot of platform changes that have been uh, implemented. Facebook itself is now going to have to (laughs) report to the American government about what's been going on. And They've removed a ton of um, access for advertisers with regard to what they can see and what they can't see uh, on your profile. And um, they're also doing a huge amount of removing all these fake profiles that were created by these mills. They call them mills, but there are companies around the world, notably in India and in Russia, that simply can set up false profiles for you en masse, hundreds of thousands of false profiles, and get them to interact with your profile for brand performance, for all sorts of interesting things. And they've been slowly but surely using advanced AI-type technology where they can actually start correlating all the information from different places. They start seeing that these aren't real people, and they block them and delete them um, on mass as well. So they're trying their damnedest to get rid of all the fake profiles. They're trying in every way possible to stop people from um, using fake profiles to do all sorts of interesting stuff like affect elections, change the narrative around certain instances. So I think that uh, this has been a huge wake-up call, and Facebook are responding really quickly because it goes to the core of their business and what they do. Now, we're going to take a quick break for um, ads, and then we'll be back with Doug Woolley, who's the general manager for Dell EMC in South Africa. And he's really got some interesting stuff that he wants to, you know, that he's sharing with us regarding what Dell are up to and where technology is going. So stay tuned for that. I can tell you it's quite a fascinating interview. Hi, FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Good morning and welcome to Tech Talk Cafe right here on High FM. And with me, not in the studio, but in the con- in the Santon Convention Center, is Doug Woolley, who's the general manager of Dell EMC South Africa. Now, Dell's a name people know. EMC is not a name that a lot of people know. But the fact is the two of them are one huge technology company. And they are doing something today called the EM- Dell EMC Forum in South Africa, and there are a ton of very geeky-looking dudes running around talking databases and stuff. So tell us, welcome to the show, Doug, and tell us a little bit about the forum, what you, you're looking to achieve, and, and who are you actually talking to here? So thanks, Stephen. Thanks for uh, having us on the show. Um, yeah, the Dell EMC Forum is really our showcase event in South Africa. Uh, we do similar events across the world, and it culminates... Uh, with our biggest event, uh, Dell World, uh, in Las Vegas uh, at the end of uh, April. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the, the key message we're trying to get across is, uh, you know, realize your digital future. That's the underpin of the whole conference. Um, and I think the message we're trying to get out to, you know, people, companies, um, and some of our partnerships is, you know, how do people uh, grab hold of, of this digital uh, world that we're in? You know, everything is moving into applications, mobile phones, uh, automation, um, artificial intel- intelligence. We'll the new, get to all these buzzwords a little later. Buzzword. Bottom line. But the bottom line is, you know, how do people become part of the new digital economy? Um, and, you know, to show them what type of uh, 
technologies Dell has uh, to enable them to get onto their journey. So I'd say that's really you know what we're trying to get across. And who who are the people that would attend this type of forum? Where do they fit in and how do they influence what goes on so in technology? Are, this is mostly aimed at, at, at business users, um, you know, so some of the bigger, uh, you know, corporates in South Africa and smaller corporates and all our business partners. Um, so it's not really a consumer show, although we are showcasing some of our consumer products, uh, but it's really aimed at, at businesses and, 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 and getting them to understand um, how they embrace uh, digital, digital change. Uh, because it's coming, you know, and, and, and your audience would have, you know, heard of companies like the Ubers. But so you were just explaining how the whole business world is changing. And, and you guys are trying to highlight some of that change and show a path into the future using the various technologies. As I was saying earlier, there was a really interesting talk which set the scene of how all the components come together. Correct. But the next thing I'd like to get a sense of and, and just share your, your insights around this, many of us have owned Dell laptops, Dell computers, Dell equipment over the years. Yes. But how is that market changing? I mean, you guys are no, no less involved in the no. hardware things, as they Correct. call it. But how is that changing over the last couple of years? So I think what we're seeing is definitely a move to people being more mobile. Um, I think what we're also seeing in that market is that, uh, you know, people want uh, devices that are easy to use, uh, light, um, and secondly, you know, enable them to work from anywhere. Um, And, you know, that's not just anywhere in South Africa, that's anywhere in the world. Um, So the devices that we're trying to design are to incorporate features like that where you literally, you know, ease of use, instantaneous startup, uh, very light devices, and you can use them, you know, on a Wi-Fi connection on an aircraft right through to a, you know, a a, a coffee shop. So Um, is the age of the big, solid, huge tower desktop PC pretty much gone or do you see there's still a role for there's that still a to role play. to play with it and i think that's more around production workers in, in big organizations but i think for the man on the street now it's about being able to be mobile um and to utilize uh, this device uh, you know end to end um and hence again you know what we're seeing as well is is, is is a culmination of tablets and notebooks integrating into one and it's one of the bigger uh, growth areas that we've seen in fact that's Africa. one that's one area that's still growing i mean there's been talk dramatically desktops have, have slowed down even laptops have slowed down but the convertible tablet style yeah, the two-in-ones are, two-in-ones are taking ones off taking and, off and, and and i think it's because it gives people you know true mobility you know um, if we look at when you know a tablet started that was the dream that i'd have one device and we're actually starting to realize that with touch screens you know with uh, cameras with uh, you know, a whole host of, of other tech behind it where you, you are getting very close to the one device, um, you know, in terms of, of, of your productivity. So our bags will, will definitely get a bit lighter over much, the next much, couple of much, years. Much, much lighter. And, and uh, that, I think you'll see that innovation happening. That leads into the next thing. And that's, I think, the key to some of the technologies that I've seen on the floor here. This Internet of Things has been spoken about endlessly by many, many people, and everyone's got a slightly different definition. But Dell and Dell EMC are intimately involved or deeply involved in the whole Internet of Things, the whole cloud environment. Give us a little sense of what the vision of Dell is um, of this going forward and, and, and try to 
to just share some of the insights around how it's actually affecting what we do and where South Africa is in this. So I want to turn it around and actually give you, your readers and, or your listeners an example. Um, so we look at discovery uh, as, a, as, a, as a business. Um, you know, they're already in the Internet of Things. You know, the smart watches that we all meticulously follow to see if we made our 10,000 steps for the Got day, our smoothie that To get week. our smoothie for the yeah. week. That's Internet of Things. And, and all they're trying to do is effectively record what you're doing, build it into their back ends, analyze that data, and then make a prognosis of how they're going to ensure you or run your medical, medical aid uh, or try and get you more healthy. So, you know, there's a, a core example of a South African company using Internet of Things as a, as a business model and actually, you know, propagating that on a world stage. So Dell's very much in, in providing that, that core infrastructure, you know, from uh, devices that will monitor. And it's, you know, very much driven, again, uh, you know, at a, at a business level. But, you know, building gateways uh, that will record and then send this data into big um you know, computing rooms so that you can crunch the numbers and build on, uh, you know, people's behaviors and, and, and how they do things. So simply seeing the thing that, wow, you've hit your, uh, your target is, is the end result of a massive, massive. chain of technology. Behind it, correct, yes. Because you've got the watch sensing, sending the info somewhere correct. via your smartphone to somewhere. Yeah. That all gets collected, gets fitted into a business model, and put together, which suddenly gives you a smoothie. It suddenly gives you a smoothie. And it's as, you know, it's as the business idea is as basic as that, but the underlying technology is fairly complex um, and, and, you know, uh, I think drives a lot of, uh, uh, you know, data analytics out of it. But obviously, topical at the moment is yep. this whole so-called data misuse. Careful. Sure. You've got yep. to be very careful with what right. uh, you say about that. But it wasn't a breach. There was a massive misuse of data, which was used by massive companies to get, uh, you know, manipulate, manipulate data on data. people's sure. behalf. I mean, are we going to see more and more of that as the world moves towards the Internet of Things? Or is there, is there a real challenge? Because we're all giving data... Willingly no, to everybody. Really. And I think that is a challenge. And I think, you know, it talks to things like security, number one. But then also, I think there's a set of values that companies have to prescribe to. And I think with most new technologies, you're going to see, you know, the pendulum swing, you know, far right and then get back to a, a, a level playing field. And I think, you know, unfortunately, what you find with tech and you see it even with smart cars is that the technology outpaces the regulators. Uh, and society's values, um, and and that's what we're typically seeing now, where there are loopholes in, in 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 legislation or in ethics of companies and how they utilise the data, and, and that'll come back. And I realise that um, you know you're more in the making things happen sure. space than regulating the space, but still the company must have a particular view on privacy and security. Sure. And, and the way that data is maintained, because we are moving into a world where data is, you actually don't know where your data is. 100% right. So, yes, I think, you know, you have to have a value system as an, a large organization. And, you know, I think as Dell, we've been voted the last five years as one of the top three most ethical companies in the world. So, you know, you're going to have to bring values into your business models. Um, and, yes, you can get around legislation by, you know, filling out the consent form on whatever social media platform. But at the, at the same time, you've got um, a role to play as a tech company 
to you know act with integrity. No um, question. So I, I do question some of the guys and the integrity <laughs> behind it. Absolutely. Um, but I think we all, as an industry, have to you know have a value system that protects data uh, at an ethical level, not just at a regulatory level. And I think you know at Dell, you know that is probably one of the mantras that we we try and force. And that was by. quite a segue into a totally different field. Sure. But I mean, how? You mentioned Discovery. We'll come back to the core story here. But you mentioned Discovery. They're one of the few companies that have always been data and technology-driven at their base from day one. But how many South African companies are following that lead and actively changing the way they work in order to embrace this whole, whole so-called digital future? So you'd be surprised. I think, you know, South African companies, I mean, we're an innovative uh, nation. I think sometimes Generally, we don't. Yeah. We don't actually, you know, pat ourselves on the back around that. Um, but we are a nation of entrepreneurs. And we do see, you know, at a local level, you know, South Africa being on a par with Europe. Uh, if I take certain sectors like our banking sector and our, and our financial services industry, uh, we actually are thought leaders in a lot of instances. And, you know, I think for your users, they'll probably see in the next six to seven months, especially in the financial services industry, uh, a whole host of new banks entering the market. Um, Absolutely. You know, that are going to bring innovation to a different level um, that we haven't seen anywhere else in the world. So I think, you know, South African companies embrace uh, digital change. They understand that it's part and parcel of, uh, you know, impacting uh, society. And I think it's the one thing that we have on our side is that, you know, by using um, you know, technology, you can transcend a lot of these uh, uh, digital traditional device, barriers, traditional barriers uh, in the business. Um, so I think, yeah, you, you, we, we, South Africans are innovative. We're seeing it, and we'll see that firsthand. You know, just by the by virtue of, of new banks. And what is Dell doing to facilitate this? Because that's key. You know, it's one thing to have all these brilliant ideas, sure. but at some point you've got to make them work. 100% right. And I think this is part and parcel of what this forum is all about, is, you know, we're evangelizing a lot of, uh, you know, what is happening out there on, on a global stage. We're showing people the reality today. So this is not something that's happening in the future. So it's not science fiction. This is not these science fiction. This is not things that are happening right now. Star Wars. This me up, Scotty. Uh, exactly. You need to work on that technology, I must tell you. Um, New well, York for you lunch know, and uh, London for tea. Well, we, we, Dell is working on uh, virtual reality. <laughs> we, we're pushing that quite hard, and that's virtually close to that. And, getting there. You know, we're getting there. Um, but yes, it, it's, it is um, a scenario where we're trying to show that this is real, and we're showcasing it, yeah? Um, and, you know, that innovation from a consumer perspective, unfortunately, has to happen in business because business serve consumers. Correct. Um, so we can get that digital uh, transformation happening in, in, in uh, big business. You know, consumers will see that benefit. And, and it's happening, you know, governments looking at how they uh, digitize their businesses. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with the... Uh, uh, the route and the timing of South African companies on this journey. And is there going to be fundamental changes in the way businesses operate and the way consumers interact with businesses going forward because of all this digital stuff? Or do you believe that business is still business? Look, I think business is business is buy and sell. Uh, there's you know, a service or a product absolutely. that I have to get across. But I think what you're seeing is you're getting business and the consumer to be much more uh, uh, tightly coupled and, and, and the interaction is tighter. You know, so you, your consumer has got more access to corporate data and the way they buy things than ever before. You can make informed decisions on the fly. 
um, you know, the services that you're getting are instantaneous. So the whole experience is being um, uh, uplifted. And, you know, tons of examples, you know, online shopping, um, you know, uh, uh, you're getting your insurance uh, sorted out. So every industry has been affected by, uh, you know, technology uh, speeding up uh, play so is it or reducing cost? Th- speed thing or are we seeing new services, no, things new that services. you couldn't do well, before? I mean, think about Airbnb. There's a good one. Uber is another one. Um, you know, you look at uh, Discovery's Vitality is a technology platform that they, they started with, a, with, 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 with ideas. So you are getting new services all the time. Um, and, you know, I think it's three things. It's, 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 it's either speeding up existing processes and, and, and making it a, a much more a pleasurable experience for, for consumers. It's either driving down costs, and you would have seen that happening, you know, across the board. And then the third one is innovation and effectively driving new services and products that we wouldn't have thought about five years ago. Or perhaps they wouldn't have been possible five or years ago. Or wouldn't have been possible five years ago. So, you know, very excited. You know, I always say to my kids, they're probably living in the most exciting time, time ever. Of change. Because it's a sign of change. But, it, but it's just, you know, the innovation is happening at a speed that we just don't understand and comprehend. And generally, you know, in... I'd say in most cases for the improvement of, 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 of human of humanity, of in humanity in general. Yes. Now, moving on to that, because this is a hugely topical sure. thing. We're talking about so-called artificial intelligence or machine intelligence. Yes. And the big tech guys like Elon Musk are warning. And Who's the South late, African boy? Yeah, nice. Yeah, absolutely. And even people... The late, the, the recently departed um, Steve Jobs, not Steve. Uh, well, not Steve Jobs. Uh, he warned that AI or true artificial intelligence may well be the biggest danger to humanity in the nearest future. But where we are now, Dell must and is very active in that sure. space with machine learning. And I mean, it's one thing to build the machines to collect the data; it's another thing to use that data. Where are you guys in the whole AI revolution that's coming? So, look, we, I think we're trying to push two things. One is virtual reality, which is a form of artificial intelligence because you, you, you're mimicking a, in an environment or a, a role play or something. And then the other one is machine learning, where we're basically trying to get mundane processes out of the, out of the process. <laughs> you know, so automating things and making sure that machines do it at a much faster rate. And I always use the example, you know, uh, if you were a blacksmith in the 1900s, uh, you were fixing horseshoes and things like that. And, you know, that industry must have lamented and people were looking at how many people were going to lose their jobs. Well, the advent of the car probably created uh, five times the amount of people. And I think that's the viewpoint I have around AI, is that it's going to free us up away from the mundane into, uh, you know, more greater levels of thinking and innovation. So... And, and, and as jobs die, you'll probably find a factor of four or five throughout, throughout history. history. I don't, but I think there's, there's a more fundamental thing. As, we, as you guys and the tech industry builds these massive databases, as they, as we heard this morning, move the, the technology or the processing out to the edge so your, yes. your smartphone gets smarter, yes. your sensor gets smarter, smarter, and decisions start being made at that level rather than in a big in a data, data center. center. Sure. That changes the way that things happen, or rather, in, in some ways, not only the, the way they happen, but the speed in which they sure. happen. And I think that lends itself again to, you know, I can access things quicker, I can get my services quicker, and I can, you know, probably consume quicker and differently. Um, 
the big thing there is always the privacy. I think that's well, the big debate that everybody gets into. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think we, on the far right of the pendulum, I think it will come back. Um, and it will settle down to something down. that we can deal with. And, and, and as human beings, I think we've got a natural inclination to push back if it goes too far. I think, you know, we've all probably been very naive in the data that we've shared. You know, if I take my first examples of Facebook, you know, I probably no shared things some of those parties never at university shared. should never have been shared. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think that's, that it will evolve. And, it, you know, I think we'll see this and you'll see this. And I think the challenge we've got is that technologies is moving so much quicker than what we used to. But that's us old guys. You know, I think the millennials that are coming through will adopt this much quicker. They understand things very differently to what we do. And they they are able to move with change much quicker than we do. I think people have become a lot less change-averse than they used to be. I mean, it's hard not to. Correct. But day by day, you don't know what's coming. Sure. So I think, you know, that new set of... Uh, of users, consumers, uh, creators, creators um, will find the happy medium. That's, um, that's, that's, that's actually a really interesting point. Now, as usual, our time runs out really quickly. Sure. But just give us sort of a big picture sense of where Dell EMC as an organization sees South Africa in the near future with regard to the so-called increasingly digital future. Where do you see us going and how quickly are we going to get there? So, look, I think, you know, we're fully invested in South Africa, um, you know, both as, at a business level and at a social level. Um, you know, we're investing more in South Africa from a people perspective. Um, so we are to stay. It's good to hear that, pe- that companies are growing in South Africa. We are growing. Um, and I think the key here is that, you know, we see ourselves as a catalyst to, to drive this digital change. Um, so, you know, I think we've got a... Um, you know, obviously there's a commercial view around this, but there's also, you know, the, the, the philanthropic view to say we see technology changing lives. And we see that through our solar schools that we've got rolled out across the country uh, where we, you know, breaking up that digital divide. We see it through our learners, our, our, our academy in Johannesburg where we, we're training the next generation of high-performance computing uh, um, analysts. Um, so, you know, I think we invested. We believe this is our, our uh, civil duty, um, you know, both at a social and at a, and at a commercial and a technical level. level and at a as technical well. level, 100%. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much. I'm sure you've got 100 people all waiting to talk to you at the show. But thanks for taking this time and sharing you, some you, of your Stephen. insights no. with us. And we'll be in touch soon because we're watching. We're going to see what you guys are up to in the next no little while. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Welcome back to Tech Talk. And, yeah, just fascinating how companies that you don't really think about in the day-to-day hustle and bustle of life are doing unbelievable fundamental things to change the way that we interact with, you know, all the things we do, with technology, with life, and... um, Dell EMC are one of those companies, and they definitely are doing some incredible things. I mean, the the day was well spent listening to some people explain how and why and what the various technologies do, how they interact. And we're definitely living in a world where everything is interconnected with something else. There's no more standalone gadgets, even your smartphone, which 
is probably the most visible tech gadget that everybody carries around in their pocket these days, um, is connected to multiple services, to multiple different platforms, to all manner of different things to do a host of different things from navigate to banking to you know, update your insurance through your discovery app. There's just a ton of things that we don't even think about anymore. And what we don't realize is just the sheer scale and scope of all the stuff that's happening in the background in order to make all the stuff simply pop up on your screen and, you know, give you one click for everything. So just give a little thought to the huge data and digital technologies that are helping drive the simple stuff that you do in your life. And talking about simple stuff, Ethiopian Airlines, the largest and fastest growing airline in Africa, have launched a third daily flight between Johannesburg and Addis Ababa on the 1st of April. Now, they've got multiple connecting flights to lots of worldwide destinations, and this Flight is actually perfect for traveling to and from Tel Aviv. I've done it. It's been great, especially with our promotional fares starting from 6444, which are currently on sale. So come fly with us in their state-of-the-art Boeing 787 Dreamliner and enjoy their award-winning onboard services. For more information, please contact your preferred travel agent or visit their website directly, ethiopianairlines.com. The new spirit of Africa, a Star Alliance member. Now, back to the gadgets and the gizmos that I have the fortunate um, ability to play with. And, you know, smartphones are definitely something that we all have. It's pretty much difficult to run your life without it these days. And a really interesting device. I saw them at um, World Mobile Congress um, in February. Sony have launched a whole new range of, 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 of phones, but the first one to hit the market, which goes on sale, I think, in about a, a week, I think this week it goes on sale in South Africa, is the Sony, Sony Xperia XA2 Ultra, which offers a huge screen um, and one other unique feature, which uh, I've, I've used to great effect all over the show, is a dual selfie camera. Now, it's one thing. A lot of phones today have got two cameras on the back. But now, who would have thought of having a really high-resolution dual selfie camera so you can do all sorts of interesting effects with selfies on the front? So what is what is interesting about this new Xperia, and I've been playing with it for a, oh, about a week and a bit now, is that it is big. It is certainly not a phone that you can just easily pop in your pocket. Uh, it's just a huge phone. It's got a massive um, screen, over just over six inches, a really high-quality screen. I've always been extremely, extremely impressed with um, S- uh, Sony's quality of screens and overall quality of build. It's aluminium. It's beautifully built. It certainly feels premium. But where they've priced it and pitched it is distinctly into the middle of the range in terms of pricing. It's going to retail at around about seven and a half, eight thousand rand, which brings it into contention with a lot of other uh, mid-range phones. But then again, this is a Sony. It's got a quality camera on the rear. It's got a really good camera on the front. And the rear camera is a 23 megapixel, which is one of the highest resolutions um, out there. What I did find that Overall, the camera is exceptional. It's really a good camera. Where it suffers a little is in low light. So if you go indoors, light is not the brightest. Things are not, um, you know, well sort of illuminated. You'll find that the camera itself tends to 
create a little bit of noise. It's not the best camera. The front selfie cameras are pretty amazing. They're really some of the sharpest, widest range uh, cameras. There's a 16 megapixel, which is higher than most phones have on the rear, and an additional 8 megapixel camera um, and a flash. <laughs> so you can do the most incredible things. And being wide angle, you can get a whole host of people into your selfie. So if you're a selfie king or queen, uh, something that's really important to you, there's no better selfie camera that I've played with on the market right now. And as I was saying, there have been a couple of um, sort of, I wouldn't say compromises. The resolution of the screen is full HD, but it's not. And even though um, it's as big as it is, six inches, I really didn't see find any problem with the resolution. It's sharp. It's clear. The colors are excellent. It's bright. It's very touch sensitive. And for watching videos or playing games, it's outstanding. Really looks excellent. Colors pop. Um, you can see into the dark scenes really easily. And the size makes it really, really easy to use for you know YouTube videos, for watching a bit of Netflix, for playing games. So from that point of view, they've really hit the nail firmly on the head. The, the compromise, as I was saying earlier, it uses a mid-range Snapdragon 630. And I did find occasionally with some heavy games, uh, it stuttered a little. If you had too many apps open, it sort of slowed down a bit. It's got 4 gig of RAM, which is you know pretty good for its uh, its positioning in the market. And and it runs the latest version of Android 8 with Sony's overlay, which is not the fussiest, but um, does have some interesting quirks and oddities, which you actually get used to pretty quickly. So overall, I must say that the new, if you're looking for a, a really high-end looking phone with an amazing rear camera uh, uh, and a fantastic you know, camera, the rear camera is great, as I said, a little bit bad in the low light but other than that the front camera there's just nothing out there that even comes close have a look at the uh, sony xa2 it goes on sale pretty much across all the networks um, today or tomorrow if i'm not if i'm i didn't get that exact detail which is a bit odd but anyway it goes on sale this week across south africa and um, i've always liked sony's quality their service and support is good uh, the phone feels amazing it's big no question. It's not the new bezel-less feel, even though the screen runs edge-to-edge, left-to-right, but not top-to-bottom. Uh, that's its only drawback, but it's well-balanced. It's not heavy. It's an excellent phone to use, and I could not kill the battery. Two days and rolling on strong. So that's the other thing to consider. The screen is great, and overall, just a high-quality, well-priced phone with two unique features well three in fact it's big it lasts forever and the front camera and the rear camera are pretty pretty fine and on that note we have to take a quick break for our uh, sponsors and then i'll be back with a little bit of advice on how you can fix up your facebook privacy so that you don't have to worry about people misusing your data because they won't have your data hi fm tech talk with Stephen ambrose Stephen ambrose well, welcome back. And I've had numerous requests from lots of people. What do I do about Facebook? Are they going to misuse my data? Is there a danger? What is going on there? And just to set the baseline really, really clearly. Number one, everything you do online stays online. It's probably there for pretty much eternity, even though that's a long time. But the simple fact is if you share information through any any electronic platform, be it email, be it um, 
you know, Facebook, Twitter, doesn't matter which social social platform you use, Instagram, Snapchat to a lesser extent, and yet there have been all sorts of interesting uh, people scraping Snapchat and somehow leaking information through that. But even so, the the world we live in is totally, totally connected. You don't know where your data is. You don't know who sees your data. You don't know who you share your data. And Facebook, I must admit, have to be the big daddy in this space. I mean, they've got in the region of two and a half, three billion users globally. Everybody I know, pretty much everybody who's connected in South Africa has a Facebook profile. And the vast majority use it on a daily basis. They use it to connect with their friends. They use it to scroll through and just look at arbitrary articles, find out about stuff. It's just interesting and very, 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 very cool for the most part. But what you don't realize is that every time you log on to something using your Facebook um, profile, every time you accept an app within Facebook and you say yes to whatever it asks you for, because 98% of people, and this is an interesting stat, they did some research into it, over 90% of people never ever read the terms and conditions of what they're clicking yes to. And you don't do it when you install a new app. None of us do it when we even switch a phone on. There's a whole lot of terms and conditions there with regard to, you know, the phone company, the Sonys, the Dells, all those guys using your information down the road for whatever purposes. But the Facebook data leak, according to Facebook themselves, has now hit about 87 million users. And the reason that happened, and this is where it gets really scary, is not because 87 million people gave their data to this Cambridge Analytica people. What they did, they started off with, I think, 237,000 people who shared their friends' um, data. So the first and most important thing that you need to do is you've got to go into your settings on Facebook. They're making it easier. Watch these apps change over the next couple of weeks. But go into your settings on Facebook and have a look at what apps you've authorized to use your data. It's all there. It's very easy to do both on your phone and on the and on the uh, laptop or your, your computer at home. And dis- disable all the ones you don't want. Or have a look at the ones that you do want and allow them to see your information. You also can then restrict what your friends can share from your information. That's the other major thing that you need to do. So go into settings. Um, have a look online. There are a lot of people who are giving advice on how to fix your Facebook settings. Because I have to wrap up, unfortunately. I'm being chased out of studio for the next next show. But Facebook is has some amazing, amazing abilities it certainly is something that has changed the way we interact with friends family and people around the world so to leave facebook is perhaps not an option but it definitely definitely is very important that you have a look at your security settings you go to your settings and you clean up what apps have access to your data you can even download your data and see what's there and um, just be very vigilant i don't say read all those 30 page legalese things but certainly be very vigilant about what you say yes to online and what you share online and on that note i'm afraid we have to wrap it up for this edition of tech talk and we will be back same place same time with more interesting news views reviews and interviews um thursdays between 11 and 12 right here on 101.9 high fm this is stephen ambrose for tech talk